0: You can visit our website at unitedrecoveryproject.com. Welcome to Hell Has an Exit. I'm your host, Brian Alzate. On this show, we interview guests who have struggled with addiction and any other type of life circumstance. You know, we do a lot of recovering addicts, but we also do people who have been wrongfully convicted and gone to prison for years. Uh, We just did Marty Tankleff's episode. This guy did 17 and a half years in prison and was totally innocent. Bro, this guy's got a crazy story. He's episode fifty one and fifty two. If you guys want to go to Instagram and give us a follow, that's probably where we're most uh, most vocal. It is how has an exit on Instagram. We also are on YouTube, and this is also a full video right now, so you can go on video and watch every episode as well. Today we have Lester. So Lester, yes. Lester M, Lester, Lester M? M. Okay, Lester M. Hey, what's going on? What's up? So uh, you know, you got a, a great story. You know what I love most about you? Just got like a lot of positive energy. You know, like since I met you, really, just been, like extremely positive. But just like all you've done with like the treatment center, and like like the meeting you bring in, like I never asked you to do that. You kind of like went ab- about it yourself, yeah. And said, "Hey, look, can I bring in this meeting?" And um, you know, it really means a lot to me. Um, I know you got an amazing message. So uh, without further ado. Here's Lester. Where where are you from? How did how did it all start?
1: Yeah, man. So, um first of all, thank you for having me in the in the show. I think this is a great platform and you know, we need we need shows like this, you know. So, this is this is great, you know.
0: Yeah, everyone was like, "Yo, did you watch Dope Sick?" And I was like, <laughs> "Bro, I lived that shit." Like, I don't know, like to me watching like those shows about like pharmaceutical corruption and whatever yeah. and like I don't know, like to me that doesn't interest me. Like yeah. I know the Purdue story. I lived the whole trauma of, like, Purdue breaking into these small towns and getting doctors to hand out OxyContin. But, like, that doesn't interest me. Right. You know, like, I know that story. Like, I like painting a narrative that addicts get clean. Correct. Because you don't open the paper and say, hey, look at this drug addict got clean. You don't open Instagram and really see drug addicts getting clean and living normal lives and having years clean. It's always... Wow, overdoses are fifty thousand, right, right. you know, this year. Which is important to highlight. I just feel yeah. like it's highlighted enough. Yeah, we we already know the damage. Mm-hmm. So it's you know, to me it's been more about like,
1: you know, what happens next, you know. And uh, and it's almost like uh like it's it's a taboo, you know. Mm-hmm. And like you asked me where, where I'm from. So I'm originally from Cuba, you know, born and raised. Are you
0: born and raised in Cuba? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, I know most people I don't I don't look Cuban, <laughs> I don't
1: talk like a Cuban, but yeah, I'm I'm Cuban. For that up Caribbean. until what age? Until I was eleven. Wow. Until I was eleven, and and you know, and it's a funny thing because a lot of people would tell me like, "Oh, you left when you were a kid." Well, if you're from the neighborhood that, that I'm from. On Havana, Marianao. Mm-hmm. At 11 years old, you're a grown-ass man. <laughs> like wow. you, you know, you already have a lot of responsibility. You've seen a lot. You've been hit in the streets. You know, you so you know. Tell
0: me, like I'm interested. Like, what is growing up in Cuba like?
1: Man, you know what? Um, my story with Cuba is mixed because my parents were amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, my parents they did an amazing job giving us everything that they you know to the best of their ability. Mm-hmm. But my early years, you know, we lived okay. My both of my parents, they host my mother. Mm-hmm. Man, Wait, so.
0: In Cuba, is it really like they say, like everyone makes the same amount of money? Somewhat, right? Uh, statistically, on paper, you yeah. should.
1: It's not that or everybody you could have side hustles. Everybody has a side hustle in Cuba to survive. Okay, you know, especially in the, you know in the eighties. Like my mother, and um, and I could talk about this now, you know. Mm-hmm. But my mother, her thing was, we live very close to. I don't know if you heard uh, Tropicana. It's like the big mm-hmm. nightclub from like the 70s, you know, with all the mafia, like you know, mm-hmm. they have the casinos in Havana. So Tropicana was like the one casino you know club that you know that was still standing. And um, so the dancers, the, you have a lot of tours that will come in. The dancers, the Cuban dancers, they will get the dollars from them. Mm. And um, but in Cuba dollars, you couldn't have a dollar. Like you would go to jail for having dollars. Wow. So my mother, she will get the dollars from the dancers. Uh-huh. change them from Cuban pesos so they could go and do whatever they have to yeah. do. And then my mother, she had connections with um, tourists, you know, and then she went oh, the for money exchange, yeah, yeah. you know, and back then the change was like, you know, for $1, you get 25 Cuban pesos, mm-hmm. you know, so my mother was always hustling, awesome. And because of that, you know, we were, you know, we lived pretty okay. So, but, but of course she was risking, you know, yeah. going to, you know, yeah, going to jail, does, yeah. you know, it's interesting, man, because my family, actually my family is very religious. Mm-hmm. My family, they're actually Jehovah's witness. Wow. Yeah. So, in um, in Cuba, is there a
0: lot of Jehovah's
1: Witnesses in Cuba, and well, just you guys. So, <laughs> there's quite there's quite a bit. But what wow. happens is, the, um, in a communist society, they don't believe in God, mm-hmm. right? So, um, all most religions they were, you know, they were illegal. And the other thing with Jehovah's Witness is that um they don't belong. They consider themselves neutral. They don't belong to any political party. So by default, you know, in Cuba, it's like either you're communist or you're an anti-socialist. Hmm. You know, so my father, he's very, you know, was very religious. So, like, for example, when you're a kid, you have to wear, the you know, like the uniform, you have to salute the flag and all these things, right? We, you know, Jehovah's Witnesses don't do that. So, you know, they will come to my house all the time to try to take my dad to jail. And as a matter of fact, I remember wow. I remember being like five, six years old. So in school, you would refuse? In school, I would
0: refuse. I would just stand. And you'd be like, no, I'm Jehovah's Witness.
1: You know, that's what I was told to do at home, you know, Mm -hmm. so when I got to school, that's what I will do, you know. I wouldn't disrespect the flag or the government or anything, but we would just stand there, you know. So part of it, the way that we got here is because my father is a political prisoner because he wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't march to the Communist Party. And I remember, man, being I was like five, six years old, and um, I remember coming home from school, and I see like a bunch of cops all over, and it was crazy, man. Because and it still I get emotional because, um, you know, as I was getting as I was walking closer, like one of the neighbors she was trying to get a hold of me, and I just ran forward. Mm-hmm. And when I when I looked on um, the cops that came in to my house, they took everything out of my house. My father was on the floor. He, they had like the one this military guy with his. On his face. Mm-hmm. You know, my mother was against the wall. My uncle was, you know, on the floor too, my brother. And all of this just because they were Jehovah's Witnesses. And because wow. they had a Bible and they have like, you know, You're not much, allowed to have a Bible? You're not allowed to have a Bible. You know, this is yeah, considered, you know, almost like Yankee propaganda. So they took him to jail, you know. So that was my experience with that side, you know, and so it's almost like you gotta do what the government tells you to do. So because of that, my father actually he's a he's a math teacher. Mm -hmm. Uh, He used to be a mathematician and he couldn't, you know, he couldn't work in the university because he wasn't, you know, a communist. Mm. And um, so they kicked him off from there. He became uh, an electronic technician and he worked at a shop like fixing radios and TV. They kicked him off from there. So they sent him to do the, you know, the one thing that for them was like the lowest job construction. So he did that. And then um, eventually he became a carpenter. And you know you had a woodshop in the back of the house, you know. Mm. So everybody had a hustle, you know. But I'm grateful to them, man, because um, they always look for a way to give us, you know, a good mm-hmm. life. You know, like I enjoy a lot of privilege as a kid, you know, in Cuba. I, you know, but it's thanks to them, you know. They really, you know, and and they kind of set a precedence for me, you know, how I behaved after that and in and my ambitions in mm-hmm. life. You know, what I wanted to do with myself. You know, and and it's funny, man. Like like thinking about my childhood, like um. I remember my dad, um, like I wanted to do things like other kids, right? We had a, this big thing in Cuba about like uh, having a fish, like mm-hmm. this little tropical fish, you know, in the house. And I remember like, I would come to my dad like, oh, dad, you know, I want, you know, I want to buy more fish because my little friends, they had, they bought th- a goldfish or mm-hmm. whatever. And my dad is like, I just bought you a fish. And I'm like, yeah, but I want this other one. And he was like, no, I'm not, you know. And at some point he's like, all right, fine, let's go and get it. But man, he will complain the whole way. And since I was small, I had this added to like it's hard for me to ask for help, and when you don't want to help me, yeah, you know, I don't know. It was just like yeah. I, you know, it, it, it would bother me. So you know, I it got into my head. I'm like, you know what, man, I don't want to ask you anymore for you know to buy me fish. Hmm. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to learn how to breed fish. And I was like six, seven years old. So I breeding started like fish? so I started breeding you know my own fish, so I wouldn't have to ask them. Uh-huh. And then I started saying like you know, um, oh, man, you know what, I could actually sell the fish to the other kids in the neighborhood. You know, and to, so I started selling fish to, you mm-hmm. know, to the other kids in the neighborhood. And that was like, you know, so that became kind of like my attitude. I remember he had the wood shop. We had this little thing, you know, that like everybody was flying kites. Right. And um, so I wanted to buy, you know, a kite. It, it broke. My, I'm like, dad, I want to buy another kite. And he's like, I'm not buying no more kites. So I'm like, I got you. So I remember I would go to the woodshop. I would take the you know the, the small piece of wood and I started making my own and kites. kites. I started building kites and I started selling the kites to the kids in the you know in the neighborhood. Oh, you wow. know, and I and I got that from them because they were both you know hustlers. Man, mm-hmm. they were always trying to put you know food on the table. That's like my foundation of what, you know how I behave. I'm, mm-hmm. you know my my ambition. You know, making me think about my childhood. Man, um, my dad he was also. Which is probably like, you know, we have a, an interesting relationship, but it's definitely the most influential person in my, you know, in my life, you know. And remember, like, he was raised by his grandparents. His grandfather was a Marine in the, in the Cuban Marines, right? Mm-hmm. So my dad will wake us up every day from since I was like five. Wow. Every day he will wake us up at six o'clock in the morning. At five years old, he will walk in there and um, he will like, um they call it the Diana. So I guess when you're in the army, they had like this trumpet, call, they will yeah, like, yeah. they'll wake up like Yeah, we had the same thing. In military school,
0: that's how they wake us up.
1: Yeah, but how old were you? You know what I mean? So my dad will go, man, five years old, and he will wake us up every day at six o'clock in the morning and he's like, you know, brush your teeth, you know, and do your bed and come have breakfast, you know? And, you know, he was very he was very strict, very strict with us. Um like we had to, he would, he would run inspection in our drawers. Wow. Like you needed to have all your clothes, like yeah. your underwear's folded <laughs> on a certain, on a certain way. You know yeah. what I mean? Like you cannot have an underwear like this and the other one like that. Oh, get you out know? of here. Yeah, no, you couldn't. My dad would come, you know, and, you know, and, you know, it was, it was over, you know? And for me at that time, I didn't I didn't get it. Did you know? resent
0: him at that time?
1: Big time man. Oh, well, you like
0: asking your friends? Like, yeah, Yo, you guys do this? Try I wouldn't it. even bother. I already knew. Like, <laughs> you know,
1: hey, nobody's doing this to their kids, you wow. know? His dreams was to leave Cuba and come to America. Mm-hmm. Part of it because he was persecuted so much just for his religious beliefs, mm-hmm. you know. So I remember like summer, like we lived close to the beach, you know. So for us, like for me, like you know, beach cultures, you know, I'm mm-hmm. you know, I'm all about that. And Tom, um, and you know, when I was like seven eight um my dad was like no you can't go to the beach you're going to do an intensive to learn english you know i'm saying like what are you talking about so he had this guy We, he, we will wake up and he's like well you got to read three chapters of the bible wow six o'clock in the morning you get up you have breakfast you read three chapters of the bible and then we had this guy from nine o'clock in the morning on um, some jamaican guy that lived in cuba from mm-hmm. nine o'clock in the morning until like two in the afternoon English intensive Like that was my summer You know But you know what And um, I look at those things And I'm grateful Because um, when I When I got here Like I learned English Pretty quickly mm-hmm. Because you know You had
0: done those classes Yeah or whatever. yeah yeah, yeah you know. How did you guys get here
1: so, um, man, you know, my dad was, he's been trying to get here for, you know, for a long time from mm-hmm. before I was born, you know, and finally my grandfather who came in the, in 1980, he applied for us. And as, as a political prisoner, you know, the United States gave him, um, oh, wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. They gave him a selling, you know, to come from, um, cause uh, he's, uh, his name was in, the um, like the human rights and stuff, mm-hmm. you know, cause he's been to jail. I mean, they, they torture him, you know, I oh, mean, he God, he went wow. through a lot and just because, you know. And it's interesting, and I have a lot of respect, you know, for him because he was able to stand there as a man and say, this is what I believe, and I'm not backing down. Mm-hmm. Like, all he had to say was like, like you know. Yeah, sure, I'm a communist. No yeah, big deal. that's it. Yeah. Done. You know what I mean? And then, you know, continue to be, you know, in the in the back, yeah. continue to be a Jehovah's Witness, you know, like that, you know, my dad said, no, man, this is who I am, you know, and that's it, you know. Hmm. I grew up with that, something that I've actually Learn back now in recovery, like that word integrity, mm-hmm. you know. Um, that word now means a lot for me because yeah. it reminds me of, you know, of my father. That's cool, you know? yeah, yeah. So,
0: uh, where did things go? Uh, er?
1: yeah, total <laughs> left turn. So, um, you know, you know what, man? Um, it's uh, it's that's a good question, and you know, and I and I. In, through this process, through this journey of recovery, because for a lot of years, I, you know, I've been asking myself the same question, like what what happened? Mm-hmm. You know, I come from a good family, you know, we were not wealthy by any means. But, you know, as f- when it comes to, you know, financial, you know, um, finance, we were not wealthy. But I felt like we were, you know, wealthy as far as like love and, you know, and everything else, you know, and um, principles, you know, like, like when I think about that. My family, I think about principles, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, my, my parents, they, you know, at some point things didn't work out. You know, my mother was, my mother, love her to them, but she was a very independent woman, like very, very independent, you know, she, you know, they got, they, they separated mm-hmm. and, and that kind of like, you know, didn't click too well with me, you know, and um, that whole separation when we left Cuba, my mother stayed behind with my brother. I came wow. here with my father. So it was just you and your dad. Yeah, it was just me and my father. And then my mother, um, she remarried and she left to Spain. Mm-hmm. She left to Spain, and um, and that whole separation like did a number, you know, for me. And um, so I came here to the states. You know, um, most of my family from my father's side was already here. Mm-hmm. I have like thirty something cousins. Oh, we we're crazy. big. It's a yeah. big family, man. It's a big family, and um, there were most of them were, were already here. Um, when I got here. In Cuba, my—I don't know, man. I think that um, getting to this country, which was a blessing, but for my father, it was a, a culture shock.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I don't know if it, if it was what he was expecting. He wanted to be here so bad. I felt, you know, and, and this is what I've learned now. Yeah. This is my point of view of what I felt and how I view it. You know, uh-huh. um. But for me, like he changed, right? And I now as a father, I understand. But it, you know, he changed. He focused more into. The financial pressure that now he had in order to support me, you know, and even like help the family to bring the rest of the people, mm-hmm. you know, over, and uh, so me and her, we start, we we fell off, you know, and um, of course now I started, you know, I'm eleven, twelve, I'm in America, I, I don't, you know, I don't really speak English, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't feel like I belong, I miss my friends, I miss Cuba, I miss, you know, everything, oh, wow. and um, and me and her, we're not, we're not clicking. You know, he was still um, very, you know, into the religion. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to explore, you know, other options, you know, even at, at an early age, you know. So we fell off, man. And, and you know, um, what picked me up was the streets. Mm-hmm. You know, so I would go to school. One of the things that happened to me here early on was that- um, Where we, are you live in Miami? We lived on, in Northwest, right? Where's that? Uh, so like 103rd okay. and 27th Avenue, mm-hmm. like Northwest, right? And you know, rough area, man. You know, so you you know, you take this kid from a bad neighborhood of of Cuba. You know who I'm. You know, I'm used to fighting. You know, just but it was it was different. And you put me in this school. And just because I don't speak English, they're trying to jump me. Yeah. Like I've never been jumped like that. You know, you know I, I, I mean, we fight in Cuba, you know, we, we, you know, we grew up, it's part of, it's part of the culture, you uh-huh. know, like, you know, we say, you know, since you're a little kid, you need to learn how to, how to drink. You need to pick up girls. You need to play, you need to dance salsa. You need to play baseball and you need to fight. Like, that's how, you know, mm-hmm. if not, bro, you're weird. Like, you're not, you know, you're not from the neighborhood, you, you know. You dance salsa. Bro, I could
0: dance salsa. So, yeah, man. Me too. I'm really good. No, i nah, Yeah, I'm so bro. Sorry. I'll teach you, but,
1: <laughs> But yeah, man. Um, and then, so we, we go to this school. And just on my first day, man, like, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, I was with one of my cousins and they were trying to take his money for lunch. He's already used to it. I'm not. So I got in the middle. <laughs> and, you know, the next day I'm getting jumped, right? Mm-hmm. So my... From where I'm coming from, the next day I showed up to school with a bat and uh, and it just, you know, I went ham, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, you hit people with the bat? Yeah, bro. <laughs> I, you know, and, and, you know, I'm coming, I'm coming, from a culture that you that I'm so ashamed of that. that yeah. No, no, I mean, I'm coming from a culture that's what you, that's what you do. And for me, mm-hmm. it's like uh, it, it's funny because, um, like from all my cousins, I'm the youngest one. Mm-hmm. Like my brother is ten years older, and everybody's older. I'm, I'm one of the last boys too. I'm the last boy. Uh-huh. So I'm trying to hang out with them. They they're not they're not trying to hang with me. So in yeah. order for me, since I was a kid, in order for me to do anything with them, I had to prove myself. Yeah. So if I'm going to play baseball, like I really had to go out there and mm-hmm. play. If not, I'm not playing. You know, mm-hmm. if there was a fight, like I needed to like go after the biggest guy, yeah. you know, like pop him in the head, you know what I mean? And show everybody like, okay, mm-hmm. Tico can hang, you know, if not, they're not, you know, I can't, you know, they wouldn't let me go out with them. So I started getting in trouble in school like that. And um, they, they actually kicked me out from uh, Madison uh, Middle School. Mm-hmm. And uh, so my father thought it was a great idea to bring me, more towards Hialeah, right? So they sent me with my aunt who lives in a project in Hialeah, you know, um, and they said the school was Miami Lakes Middle School. Mm-hmm. So they're like, all right, Miami Lakes Middle School, you know, <laughs> sounds legit, you know? And uh, so when I get there, man, I, w- I will never forget. Man. Yeah, it's
0: a whole other world over there. It's
1: crazy. <laughs> Yo, but, but first date, right? First date, I get there. Mind you, I've been, I've been here maybe like six, eight months. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting, you know, I'm sitting down, there's this beautiful Colombian girl, Right mm-hmm. That is sitting in front of me Man You know So I You know I'm cuban Cuba man I, You know We got the gift of gab You know it is, So I started talking to this girl And I guess it was this boy That he liked I don't know what was The, the history there mm-hmm. But he didn't like That I was talking to her So he said You know He was trying to say something to me And then he said something like Where you buy your shoes from And for me I'm coming from Cuba Where you, The government Provides you shoes Wow You could only imagine The type of shoes I'm wearing in Cuba right uh-huh. I'm half tennis shoes now So I'm like I bought my shoes, I Payless shoes, and uh-huh. he's like, "I'll wear, I Payless shoes." Ah, look. So you know, it. so I'm like, I'm like sitting there like, "What is the problem?" And back then, you know, it's like you have to wear Reeboks, Fila, uh-huh. or Nike. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And I'm and so they start making fun of me, and I'm like, "I got you," you mm-hmm. know. And I remember, you know, going, <laughs> you know, I, I, you know, the homeroom is finished. We go outside. I said, As soon as I come outside, I took off my shoes. Mm-hmm. And I had and I'm like, yo, is there is there a problem with the shoes? And he's like, you know, with the little boys like, oh, less shoes this and that. I don't know what he was saying. And I literally grabbed the shoes and I popped them in the face with the <laughs> shoes and stopped beating him with the shoes. Wow. Took his shoes. You took his shoes? Took his shoes and ran off. Right. So of course, my my first, this is my first day, you know. Mm-hmm. And my mentality was just was just that, you know. And I guess it was like the like the era And to make a long story short, my whole schooling here was mm-hmm. just based, you know, just started, and I kind of got a taste for it what happened was that the other kids who were like in eighth grade, they started to notice like, Hey, this kid could fight, Mm -hmm. you know? And, um, and so I started, you know, they started getting cool with me. And of course, you know, they were all like with the little clicks and here and there, so me and my dad not getting along. Now when I, when, when I get home, I don't want to be inside the house. So I'm outside and I start clicking, you know, and I would start getting involved with the little local gangs, you know? And, um, you know, so that became, that became my, my thing, um, to a point that I just ran away from home You Mm -hmm. know, I was 13, you know, ran, away from home and um you know i actually started working at a car wash in miami lakes and i um, will get there seven o'clock in the morning like what quit school well so i will i will go to school for for you know for as much as i could stand uh-huh. it, and half the time i was getting kicked out anyways my dad actually he worked like four miles from you know from the school so he was always coming in you know to get me but i will go at seven o'clock in the morning i would ride a bike i will wash like the first car so that, so that, you know, I could have that little money mm-hmm. by 930 being the, you know, being the middle school, when it will finish around three or whatever it was, I will go back to the car wash. Of course, now I'm 13, that mentality, I'm getting a little money, mm-hmm. you know, I'm hanging out with a lot of older kids, you know, first thing they introduced me to was, you know, was weed, you know, and, um, and, you know, that just became like a gateway, man. I mean, and it became like, wow, I feel accepted, mm-hmm. you know, I feel I'm cool again. You know, I'm back home.
0: Yeah, yeah, know? that feeling when you're jit and you get past the blunt. Yeah, it's just like.
1: And then when you can hang with the blunt, you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah, yeah. When you can hang, you know, and um, and you know, and that that just completely like threw you know threw me off. And uh, so school, you know, I, I tried, and I was you know in Cuba I was like in comp- math competitions. I was doing really wow. good in school. Here I couldn't, you know, it wouldn't click. It's funny. The the one thing that I actually liked was computers. I was always mm-hmm. attracted to computers. So like on eighth grade, um, I actually failed eighth grade, but the teachers thought that I was smart enough and they thought that I was going to do, I could do better in high school. Mm-hmm. So they actually passed me to on um, Hialeah, Miami Lakes. Mm-hmm. And um, I lasted there, I don't know, maybe like two, three months before they put me in special ed. Mm. I thought special ed was something complete. Again, my English was not that good yet. I'm thinking special ed. it was something completely different this is like gangster paradise you know in special ed man I mean like yo let me tell you there was this there was this girl
0: there she, ha- she had two kids bro yeah. you know I mean ninth I
1: mean I mean I mean ninth grade and this girl had two
0: kids yeah. man you know yeah in special ed you got kids that are like seven foot with beards yeah
1: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean it was yeah. it was crazy mm-hmm. and um you know so you know and at that time you know I, w- I would drink you know and I would smoke you know here and there and that you know it was it was okay you know 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 i was fighting you know i was doing but my life was still i was working in the car wash you know Mm -hmm. i remember after the car wash i went to work at the mall you know and i was my mind i was always hustling you know um and um you know what was cool was that you know one day i met this guy and um you know he was in one of the computer classes and he told me like hey we need somebody to um on my computer job to put computers in in a box Mm -hmm. you know and i was like wow I could do that, Mm -hmm. you know, and then, you know, it was on a Saturday and then I went there, started putting computers in a box. And what was cool was that, you know, my mentality, street mentality, right? Like I see these guys, they take like one computer, they take one box, they open it, they put the computer in the box, they close the box. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, nah, man, I'll get 10 boxes. Open all the boxes. Open all 10 boxes. I took a a trolley, I'll put 10 computers in the trolley and I will bring them and I would just, Mm -hmm. you know, so the owner, he walked in and he's like, who's this guy? Mm-hmm. You know, and he's like, yo, just, you know, come next Saturday. So I kind of started moving from there. And then um in school, you know, with all the fights and everything, they kicked me out from Highland Mamie Lakes. They sent me to an um, opportunity school. Bottom line, I didn't make it at the end of the ninth grade before they, you know, <laughs> they completely kicked me out. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, you know, I told my dad, you know, maybe this is not for me. You know, I'm going to focus on this little job that I have. And, um, you know, with that job, like. um And your dad let you? My dad didn't have much of a choice because I was I was barely even living with him. At this time, I'm making enough money. I had an efficiency and you, you had know, efficiency in yeah, ninth grade, man. yeah, man.
0: Yeah, oh so my, my, God. my
1: dad, my dad was just like, you know, and and, and again, man, he I, could already
0: feel he was losing his grip on you. He, he, no,
1: I was, I was gone, you yeah. know, I was gone, and you know, and, and I like, man, let me tell you, like, one it's of crazy my
0: because you see like kids today and it's not like that. Oh, no, I, I mean, maybe it is in other, in other, but like, yeah, that's crazy, bro. you know, it's give and take, right? Like, I
1: remember you know, I was always in and out with my dad, you know, um, but I had my efficiency and I, you know, and man, I remember like one day I went, you know, went out with a friend of mine and it was the first time I tried to smoke creepy, mm-hmm. right? And yo, I was lit, man, I was lit in Tom, um, And I was like, I, for some reason I told him like, oh, don't drop me off on my, on my, on my house, take me to my dad's house. Mm-hmm. And he, they dropped me off. I actually, I went on the, on the hallway mm-hmm. and I was trying to like prime open his window and I'm crawling, you know, I'm like crawling, like trying to get in the house through the window. Mm-hmm. And my dad wakes up, he's hearing all this noise, you know, and he wakes up. And you know, now me as a as a father, now man, mm-hmm. I, I get goosebumps, you know, and he just opened it and he's like, What are you like, what are you doing? You know, and it's like three o'clock in the morning, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, and I'm super high, you know, and I'm just trying to you know, get in through the window. He brings me down and he I will never forget, man, you know, um as strict as he was and as you know, all my issues with him. This man, he took me in. He brought me to his bed, and he said, "Just stay here with me." You know, and I remember, like, he just stayed up because I couldn't, I couldn't go to sleep. You know, mm-hmm. I'm hearing noises. You know, I'm seeing. You know, it was just crazy. It was yeah. just crazy. You know, I was must have been like 14. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, so you know, but um, but yeah, man. I mean, so the cool thing was, I stayed with my little job. I actually started getting more involved with the computers. Like, I lent, I, I actually taught myself networking. Like just from watching what people were doing. And then I got involved, you know, for me, what caught my attention was programming. Mm-hmm. Like there was something cool about, you know, programming, you know. And um, you know, and, and I remember like, you know, I started doing better, you know. Um, I moved back with my dad, he bought a computer and you know, and, and I just focused on that. And um, um, so it was you know, it was cool. But, you know, to this point, I will use like, every other weekend, you know, with my friends, smoke a little weed here, we'll drink, party, this and that. But nothing crazy, man, you know, nothing crazy. I actually realized that the whole gang thing and all the, the fighting and all of mm-hmm. that, I, I kept seeing my friends, like losing, like, losing friends, going to jail. Like, things were starting to get, like, serious, you know, mm-hmm. getting GTAs and stuff like that. And I said, man, you know, that's not the life for me. Like, like I felt like I was smarter than that you mm-hmm. know and um so i focused more on on working with computers and um you know started getting like like really good jobs um and, you know and life started to get you know better um i actually was i had this little project where i was doing web hosting i was 16 years old and i was doing web hosting mm-hmm. and i had like 150 account charging 50 dollars a month you know and um, this big company from uh, california they were buying all the hosting companies. They were consolidating them. Mm-hmm. And they, um, so what happened was, it's, so I also was starting to get in trouble with computers now, of course, you know. <laughs> so, I you know, let's that my mind was very inquisitive, you know, mm-hmm. when I saw like a login, I'm like, hmm, I wonder, you know, if I could break in there, you yeah. know. And, you know, so I kind of like, I found a back door in one of the ISPs here in the Philadelphia airport. Mm. And um, I actually got caught. But the network admin, they said, you know, they, they said, hey, instead of like calling the cops, you know, on, on him. What are we going to do? Essentially, you know, it was it was kind of silly. We, what, what, what I was looking for was <laughs> storage space. Because back then what we will do is like we will like crack software. Like let's say if you had like um, the latest version of Norton Antivirus. Mm-hmm. So I will find a ways to crack the serial number. So I will could use that software now for free. Mm-hmm. But I need to store that somewhere because we, you know, floppy this. Remember back in the floppy days, mm-hmm. you know, I couldn't have enough. So I need a, a space in a server at an
0: ISP that I could store my stuff. So you're storing stuff in other people's uh, like their servers. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Wow. And, and, and hoping that they don't find it there. So, but in this case, they did, you know, they did. And, and you know, they actually, they offered me to- How did they
0: contact you?
1: I was still, lo- I was actually logged in into the server and the network admin, he like messaged me. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, wow. I will never forget his name was Seda. Uh-huh. I will never forget that guy, you know, cause he's the, he's the guy that really like, like, like pushed my, you know, my career and, you know, and he's just, was he you just know,
0: like, bro, what are you doing? <laughs>
1: pretty much. Like, it was more like, like WTF, you yeah. know? And it was, you know, it was cool because like, they gave me the opportunity to say, like, Hey, you know what? Like, tell us how you did it and we're not going to call the FBI, you know? Wow. And I'm sitting there like, that sounds oh, like yeah, a sweet deal. Airport. That's yeah. pretty wild. Yeah. That, I mean, I was, you know, I was done, you know? So, um, so I said, sure, no problem. And, um, so I brought my servers there and I had my little hosting. there. You met him face-to-face. We met face-to-face. Uh, you know, like, we met face-to-face when they got bought out. Uh huh. And so what happened was that, um burial host bought them out mm-hmm. and the owner was like, oh, we have this kid here who's got a server, you know, and he's got a, a bunch of hosting accounts there if you guys, you know, want to transfer those over. And they're like, sure, no problem. So they offered me $50,000. Damn. Know? And, you know, to, to take the servers, I'm like... At 16? At 16. So I'm like... Done. Done. It was worth a lot more in yeah. all honesty. But for me, that was like, you know, it was cool and, you know, how you know going through that experience. And so now, you know, I'm 16, you know, I have my own apartment, you know, um, you know, I have I'm in Hialeah. So I have a Mustang, of course, you know, and um, you know, and I mean, that's just classic, you know. You had to, you know. I have some money, you know, and um, in what year is this? This is uh, 96, mm-hmm. 96, you know. So um, but now I started like partying more and doing more stuff, and I don't know, man. Like I, I got that this idea that, you know, um, I'm gonna lose it all, like you know, I like I I saw it coming, you know. Um, I'm blowing money, you know, mm-hmm. so. Um, I met this girl. She was like 24 years old. Um, also, I was like 17, and um, so by the time I was 18, I got married. You know, I wow. said, "Hey, you know what? Let's lock this down and let's, you know." And uh, that actually saved me, man. You know, so you know, we were married. You know, um, I was married for like like four years. Mm-hmm. Like in 2001, we actually moved to um, to Orlando. We mm-hmm. bought a house in Deltona. I got into surfing. I was working for this company in, in Lake Mary. And pretty much I will work for like three, four hours and the rest I will go to New Smyrna Beach to surf. You know, mm-hmm. it was a really cool job, you know, and they would still they'll pay me the full eight hours. Nice. You know, it was super cool. A friend of mine called me. There was a guy in Atlanta that he was looking for somebody to do like a data warehouse and that I was the guy for it. You know, so I started working with them. The guy, he liked you know, what I did. He flew me to you know to Atlanta, uh, and I started working with him and the car dealerships. And mm-hmm. um, and the reason I mentioned that because it's a big part of my of my history. Um, this guy became like my brother, man. You know, on uh, Edgar, and um, you know he gave me that opportunity. I I took it, ran with it. I got more involved in business on a completely different, you know, um, completely different angle. We actually built several several products about around that time also um my mother that was in Spain you know I said you know what let me go let me, let me go to Spain to see her so I started traveling you know back and forward with edgar we built this um operational data storage and we ended up selling it so this project was like a 4.5 million dollar project wow 24 year old kid man mm-hmm. you know and um so that was You guys are 50-50 on this? We were not 50-50 but I got a good chunk of it yeah <laughs> I did really good I did really really good of it what was different then is that at that point i was doing a little bit harder you know so i started like doing more coke ecstasy mm-hmm. all these things like that but it was more to party like for me it's not isolated using it no yet. no yeah, as yeah. a matter of fact man you know so now my family in spain they live in mallorca like you know evisa i mean yeah so it's the <laughs> island right next to evisa in mm-hmm. mallorca and uh, um so it's a party island it's the caribbean yeah. for europe you know so f- using in in mallorca is different i mean like people go started to, going there a lot yeah my mother lived there so now wow. I'm, you know so pretty much i packed up all my stuff i have the money you know and i just you know just moved out there and i was traveling back and forward for me to make money i would work here like the business was here the customers was here you but know partying there yeah but my life actually my qual for me quality of life was there you know and even my party man like um what is partying in like a visa like Oh my God, like, it's just, (laughs) there is no, uh, there's no limit. How is it different here? How is it different than here? Because you get on an airplane, you land, as you're walking out of the airport, somebody comes like, hey, yo, what do you want? I got it, here, here, have this, try it, my number's on the card, call me if you like it. A visa's like that? A visa's like that, you know, there's not, you go to a bar Uh and you're like, yeah, um, hey, let me have a Roman coke and um, a gram of coke. Get
0: the fuck out of here. I mean, you know, it's
1: that is that is that easy. It's part, no. it's, imbe- it's embedded in the culture. I'm going to freak out. It's embedded in the culture. Really? It's embedded in the like culture. The drugs is just part of it's like It's just it's just part of it And and it's not what was is different is not a taboo that is here. It's not like oh drugs
0: are bad. It's kind of like
1: It's just part of it's just part of the culture. Like, you know, like literally like you is go the coke to too
0: good. Over there. It's got to be, right? Fire. Oh, it's wow.
1: European standards, right? Like, just like the food is good, you know, like the Coke is... I've sweet. never been to Europe. I mean, like, literally, like, if you buy something that is bad, you know, like, people... Call, like, hey, bro, this is garbage, man, give my money back.
0: You know? Wow. Like,
1: yeah, this is this is garbage. There's you customer know? service? There's customer se- <laughs> There's actually standards in drug dealing. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Like, oh, sorry, yeah, bro. Yeah,
1: it's, you know, it's, it's, comp- it's, a
0: different, it's a different level. It's a different level. Is it dangerous? Dangerous as, as in, like like can you be buying drugs and someone come stab you and rob you no man no
1: put it this way in the in the 2000s like i never locked you know the car my door my house was always my my apartment yeah my um unlocked unlocked i've never closed the door of my apartment like like,
0: what does it look like i don't even like i hear about i hear about it that it's like the craziest party country in the world it's in is a city Iviza, is an island. Oh, it's an island. It's an island.
1: It's an island. Yeah, it's an island. So just very relaxed,
0: very chill. You remember you that know. techno song like "This Is Ibiza," right? This is Ibiza. Yeah, yeah, that's you know. That's like all I knew, like doing coke yeah. when I was like a kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That
1: you know. So take any party that you could think of here and multiply it times ten. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the intensity of of Ibiza. And you know what, man? A lot of foreigners. Um, a lot of, it's a melting pot for Europeans, right? So uh-huh. you get a lot of French, Italians, you know, Germans, you know, anywhere from, you know, from Europe. Mm-hmm. So it's it's in the Mediterranean, like right outside Barcelona mm-hmm. and like north of, the north of yeah. Africa. So you get a lot of people from like the Middle East that, you know, yeah. that, that will come over, you know, uh-huh. from all over the place, you know. And we, so we live in the island right next to it, which is the, the capital of the Balearic Islands. Mm-hmm. And um, it, so for us, it is just like from for you to go from here to Miami Beach, Miami. you know? Get so that's... And you know what, man? Like, I remember when I started going and partying with my brother, partying with my cousins, with my friends there. And, um, you know, um, I used to enjoy it. And because they binge party. I mean... So wait, you're married in the States. No, sorry. So by 2003 and three and four, like, me and the girl doesn't work out. Okay. Like, uh, four years later. So we, okay. you know, so we we got divorced. And that's really what, what sent me over to, you know, like, oh, all right. Now I'm just going to party. Yeah, well you know what? Yeah. But it wasn't even for me still at that point, like I'm business, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm business first, you know, on, I love to party. Like I love to have a good time today, but, but the whole concept of I'm going to miss work because I'm partying. Like that was foreign to me. It makes no sense to me. I'm partying because I worked my ass off. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Like that, that made sense to Uh me, you know, like with my, like with my brothers and, and, and that little group, my brother was hanging out with this group. Like, I mean, like, you know, Rafael Nadal, Mm-mm. the tennis player, like the okay. number one with Roger Federer, like his cousin, they're coming. Like these people, right? Uh-huh. So they can afford to party for two Non-stop. weeks. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter. I will always tell my brother, like, dude, I got to pay out of my pocket for this, you know? Yeah. And, and it just it just didn't make sense to me. Um, I, I didn't understand... Them going out on a Tuesday, like we say, hey, let's go, let's go have a coffee mm-hmm. at three o'clock in the afternoon. Sure. Let's go have a coffee. And that turns into we are partying all night Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, here comes Wednesday and Thursday and then Friday, we're going to fly to a visa, you know, and to me it was like, all right, after three, after three days, I'm out. Like, mm-hmm. I want to take a shower. I want to go home. I want to relax. I want to have a nice, you know, a nice meal. And this was my first interaction with what I really felt was addiction. Mm-hmm. You know Before You know We smoked We do a little coke here A little ecstasy But you know I'm going out to a club I'm going to pop a molly mm-hmm. We're going to party all night Five o'clock in the morning They shut down the club We're going to go eat somewhere I'm going to go home I'm going to sleep I'm going to get up Have breakfast Go to the beach And you know Monday comes I'm going to work Like that mm-hmm. This was completely different level And I l- used to look down at them Like how can you do this Like where's your brain You know mm-hmm. And um, And I, I you know <laughs> Um, like I remember my, you know, my. Fr- I mean, they would look like zombies, you mm-hmm. know. And I never, I never get it, you know. Like, um, dude, we've been partying for three days, it's seven o'clock in the morning, and you want to go to an after hour? Mm-hmm. Like, how about you go to a shower? You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, you know. And um, <laughs> I mean, seriously, you know, I, you know, I will never forget my brother. You know, funny enough, he reminded mm-hmm. me in the middle of my darkest hour, like he, because my brother, we, we have wood shops in 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 spain right mm-hmm. my brother had the wood shops you know and tom um, and i would always tell my brother like i'm not i'm not the wood shop guy like i like I went there and I helped like rebuild the business from the business side, but dude, don't ask me to hold a hammer like i'm not I'm not <laughs> yeah. doing that, you know, and you know, I will always tell them like like, dude, the only thing I have is my brain, mm-hmm. like that's all I have. I don't have your experience with the hammers, I, you know, I don't know how to hold a screwdriver like i don't mm-hmm. I don't care what I have is my brain. The money that I've made is using, you know doing programming, you know, doing business, like this is what I have, so. If I'm going to like fuck my brain with all these drugs, three four days partying like nonstop, mm-hmm. like then what do I have left, you know? And it was funny that my brother repeated that, you know, later to me, you know, later on, you know, because I it, and really I felt that way. The big left turn happened in 2006. So my my mother she got she got sick, um, just from one day to the next. She says she had back pain. Took it to the hospital. And, uh, and I will never forget because we were replicating the software that I sold. We were we came back to, to the states. My partner Edgar, mm-hmm. he's he lived in Braunschweig, Germany. I'm in Majorca. We come back to the States. We were selling the software. We were going to um BMW of Canada mm-hmm. to sell the software. And, you know, it's going to be a big deal. You know, we are actually, you know, coming in through New York and, you know, I get the phone call like, hey, my brother saying that, you know, mom is sick. You know, like we're at the hospital. They took out a liter of uh, liquid from her lungs Hmm. last night. And then today she's got liquid again. Maybe you should come back. You know, and I I will never forget, like, like, you know, in my brain, I'm thinking like she's going to be all right. But something told me like, you know what, man? I need to put this, you know, we need to do this some other time. I need to go back to Spain, you know? Mm. And uh, so I came back and, you know, make a long story short, she developed on um, a lung cancer, you wow. know? Yeah. Uh, so it was uh, like in the pleura, which is like the lining on the lungs. And he did an extension um, to the lungs. And um, so that was like, like December 2005, October 31st, 2006, she passed away, hmm. you know? Okay. And um, so it was such a fast, you know, and, and the thing was that, I have prepared myself, so I, even at that time, like I went even harder on business. Cause I was thinking like, I'm gonna have a cancer patient for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. So I need to be financially prepared, you know? And you know, so, and business was going good. Everything was going good. I had expanded. We had opened uh, a development office out of Nicaragua. So I had like 12 developers working out of Nicaragua and I'm going back and forward. I mean, I was preparing myself for, you know, mm-hmm. for a big expansion cause I'm gonna need this, you know, to support my mother. And losing her, man, was just not part of the plan. Like it never even crossed my mind that she could that possibly, wow. you know, you know, uh, pass away, man. I took that really hard, you know, you know, I, I you know, I have missed her for so many years of her separation, mm-hmm. you know, and um and then now she's gone, and um and what really like set things off was, man, I remember being here. Um, you know, by this time, by 2008, I moved back to, you know, to the States, like, you know, full time. And, um, cause I feel like I, I don't want it to be in Spain. Like, all, you know, like just being there reminded me of her, you mm-hmm. know? So... I remember, you know, it was, I used to live in Brickell and, you know, we went to, um, um, let's say, Alfredo, um, we just partying there, they had a little club on the side, Spasionero. I come out of there like four o'clock in the morning, you know, and I'm walking home and one of my friends called me, he's like, yo, you know, we're at an after party here at the beach, you know, this German guy came, he's got a penthouse, you know, swing through, you know, so I'm like, all right, man, I'll come over. But I, you know, and I remember like being in pain, you know, yeah. and, um, and I went there and, you know, I mean, dude, this dude, has got like Coke on a platter, mm-hmm. you know, and he's got a bowl with like X- with SSC, like, He's got another bowl with Molly's. I mean, mm-hmm. he had like everything, you know, and a bunch of girls. I mean, it was just like, you know, crazy, crazy party. And, uh, and I was like, I'm going to go ham, you know? And I, but, but, you know, what was different, what was really different was that before, like I enjoy using, like we're going to a strip club, mm-hmm. you know. We're going to a club, you know. We're going to a phone party, you know. You pop next Nexus, and this is the most amazing thing that you will ever feel. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it was always that, you know, to, for you know, more hype, you mm-hmm. know. And um, this, this was to kill it. This time was to I didn't want to feel the pain, man. Mm-hmm. And I remember using for the first time to numb that pain, mm-hmm. you know. And it did something, man. Like I, you know, it rewired my brain. It rewired what my brain thought of using mm-hmm.
0: you know um what's weird is that the first time i used i felt that like yeah, even no. even like even now thinking about it like even as a kid smoking weed and like i don't know what was wrong with me as a kid but i remember using and wanting to like kill of like the feelings yeah so it's like you know like when you talk about these parties it interests me because i never had that right. <laughs> never had that like Because someone the other day was like, yeah, and then using got really bad for us. And I was like, no, that shit was bad pretty. (laughs) From day one. From day one, bro, it was pretty bad for me. Yeah. So it's like, you know, me getting clean young, like a lot of people are like, oh, you know, you got clean young, but because bro that shit sucked mm-hmm. immediately so when i hear about like the foam pits and the girls and like the bowl of of coke yeah i just i just went straight to crack right you know? yeah, like, yeah like, i don't know bro that's a, yeah. that's, a, that's a that's
1: a harsh left turn right yeah. there like i don't you know and and that was the thing like like even when you said when you said like the first time you smoked weed first time i smoked weed was because everybody was laughing and everybody mm-hmm. was having a good time and i smoked weed and i was laughing and having a good time you know mm-hmm. like i didn't you know i had like like no regrets, mm-hmm. no, you know, like there was no, there was nothing really happened. I mean, I always knew that I was on the street and I was working in a car wash at 13 years old because I did that. Mm-hmm. I put myself there. I was stubborn. I was fighting with my dad. I was being rebellious. There was nothing happening in my life, you know, that would have caused, that, that required for me to do that, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, that was just my way of rebelling.
0: So you go to this party and you just start going ham. Like, I will never forget that.
1: It's like, or like 11 o'clock in the morning. I'm not feeling anything. I'm just, you know, like, no, and usually when I'm at a party, I'm like, you know, I'll go in and talking to the girls and then so I'm just like, just even, you know, and, and I'm like, I need to, I want to stay like this. Like, I don't want to go back to how I felt when I, can, when I got here. I don't want to feel no pain. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to think nothing. So I, you know, I bought a bunch, you know, and I went, I took it home with me and this was like a Saturday and I just stayed Saturday all day in my house, in my, in my room, locked, doing coke all saturday all sunday in monday you know um when i was running out you know i was kind of like shit here comes the pain again mm-hmm. you know and um, and i started thinking about her and you know i started you know and i said you know i, I, w- I don't i want to go back to saturday morning you know and that, that was the rewiring man that was the real left turn you mm-hmm. know because now my brain knew that i could do something that could somewhat numb the pain mm-hmm. and and what i know now is that you know pain is a process you know and there's not enough drugs pills alcohol or anything that's going to take mm-hmm. all the pain away that's a band-aid you know at best mm-hmm. you know the only thing that takes the pain away is you actually processing that pain and dealing with that pain you know getting comfortable sometimes with that you know with that pain you know and i didn't know that then you know i mean so i you know i kept seeking that you know and, and, and of course, you know, the story, you kept going deeper and deeper and deeper into, into that rabbit hole. But yeah, that was like the, the first time that I could, that I remember like, okay. Using to numb. Using to numb, becoming the one thing that um I used to look down on so mm-hmm. much, right? You know, binging two, three days, you know, back to back, you know, you know in a room by yourself, by myself, you know. And even at that time, I could still go out and I could still have a little fun. But at the end of the day, I was going to, you know, I was going to end up in my, you know, mm-hmm. now my goal out wasn't to have fun. Like now, you know, I'm going out because I want to, you know, I want to numb that pain, mm-hmm. you know. And that became the chase for the last almost like 15 years, man. You know, and um, and, and you started to see the effects in my life, you know. At that, at that time, like, you know, I got, you know, financially I was doing okay. So, you know, and, it, and it's, it's crazy man. me because I even, you know, financially, like I even, I remember like I, I did Everything that I wanted to, like, I remember, I will never forget, I was a little kid in Cuba, right? And we we're watching this movie and this guy is driving a car and he drives the cars off a bridge and the car goes on the water mm-hmm. and he becomes like a submarine and he's driving this car underwater. And I'm like, yo, I need to get me one of those when I get to America, you know? And it was the 007. He's driving a lot of spree, you know, that like mm-hmm. he drives it, you know, underwater. the water. And then I remember like also um, I saw Pretty Woman. And, yeah. and, you know, Richard Gear like he pulls over and he picks up Sandra Bullock on a Lotus spree, mm. on a gray Lotus spree. And I was like, Sandra Bullock was like, you know, like my first crush, oh, you wow. know? So I'm like, yo, mm-hmm. I need to have that car. And, um you know, so, you know, when, when, when we sold the company and, um you know, I got privileged to go, I went and I bought me, you know, a Lotus spree in 1999, wow. V8, train Turbo, Lotus spree, you know? And uh, so, I mean, I had everything that I wanted, even to, even to those small, you know, things, you know, yeah. um, I got invested into, into a restaurant, you know, but then things starting to, you know, to turn left, you know, um, cause my addiction was starting to take, essentially now with the restaurant, in order for me to be there, cause we had, we had a liquor license to five o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm the guy to, you know, to be there, you know, I'm the host, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm using and using more, you know, that became, you know, overwhelming, I ended up losing that. So I got involved, had the great idea to get involved with a club, Kamasu, down in A Street. Mm-hmm. Lost that. hooked up back with Edgar in the computer business. Man, Edgar, you know, and today we're, we're you know, he's he's my brother. You mm-hmm. know, he's my brother. But he see me go from like the little kid, you know, flip-flops, mm-hmm. 19, 20 years old and surfing in Smyrna Beach to working with him to selling a multi-million dollar company to having, you know, pretty much everything towards start going through. He went through my mother's death with me, mm-hmm. you know? um Now he sees me, the change of me using, we start working back together. Things are not the same. I'm not the same guy anymore, you know? Mm-hmm. Um I'm not really showing up to work.
0: Things are just not the same, you know? That, he really mm-hmm. saw that left turn, you know? Yeah, it's different when people see you before drugs and after drugs, because when people meet you on drugs, they just think you're like that. Yeah. You know, yeah, and it's hard for people to watch you, you know, fumble around and drool and be fucked up all the time. Yeah. when they were like, "Wow, this kid used to be sharp."
1: Yeah, yeah, and and we, you know, obviously when you're in the middle of it, you don't think about that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now I look back and it's like, "Wow, man," you know, like that's um that's that's got to be you know very difficult for any family member mm-hmm. to watch you go through that. I pretty much start I, I lost all of that, you know, mm-hmm. um. Fast forward, you know, I met this girl, you know, we had a, you know, we had a baby. I thought that that was going to like do something mm-hmm. like, you know, make me want to, you know, stop, you know. And, you know, my stories, I did, it didn't do much for me. As a matter of fact, it pushed me deeper into my, into my addiction. And by this time, I started to realize that I have a problem. Like mm-hmm. I started to realize that I need to use almost on a daily basis, you know. And it's funny. And it's mainly coke. Mainly coke. Like that was like my main, my main thing was, you know, coke. For me, like Molly and ecstasy was to party, you know. But I will always end up back with coke. Like mm-hmm. that was like my main, you know, my main thing, you know. And, and it, it, I had to reflect on this now that I said, you know, that I, I had to use on a daily basis. Cause I remember using with some folks that I was like, these guys are junkies. This dude, this dude needs to, I remember this guy, the dealer came one time to that, my mm-hmm. house and we were all hanging there. And he told him, I'm going to give you an option. Do you want me to buy your food? Or do you want me to give you a gram of Coke? Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'll take the Coke. And I'm like, bro who are you like you know what i mean like like you know i couldn't think of a human being being so low that you would take you know coke over food you yeah. know and and this guy needed he needed to breakfast coke yeah. you know and um and it's crazy man like i learned you know the yets right because i started to realize that i was becoming that and that's just like you know the progression of, of the disease you know you just keep going deeper and deeper my second wife you know she you know she couldn't tolerate, you know, my behavior anymore. So, mm-hmm. you know, my daughter was six months when she left when she left the house, and, um, you know, that was heartbreaking for me. You know, but again, more things to just push me mm-hmm. deeper and deeper. In that era, I suffered my I suffered my first overdose. I
0: would have never. Yeah, it's crazy because this is pre-fentanyl, right? Yeah, pre-way Yeah, this is a cocaine overdose. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Co- straight That's cocaine wild. overdose. Straight cocaine overdose, man. You know. How much think, you
0: think you had done that day? It's not that day. I was running for like three, four days. Wow. Yeah,
1: I was running for like three, four days. You know, just nonstop, nonstop. How
0: does your nose work? Because sometimes I would be doing coke, and I would have to be like snorting hot water yeah. from the. I'd be. I remember being like doing so much coke; it wouldn't go up. Yeah. And I'd just be like, "Fuck!" And I'd be like, "Yeah." And like yeah. blood be coming out, I'd be coughing. I remember I'd get like hot water from the sink and yeah. snort yeah, cups yeah. of hot yeah. water.
1: Yeah, man, you know all this shit coming yeah, out of your yeah. nose, you know? You know what's crazy when this time, ta- I now could look back Which is at- why
0: crack is so great. Right, right, right. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, phenomenal. <laughs> it's a much better idea. Uh-huh. You know, um, what was interesting, Like I remember like my claim to fame was mm-hmm. that you couldn't tell that I was high. You couldn't tell that I was using.
0: Oh, get out of here! Yeah, you couldn't, That's you couldn't crazy. tell.
1: Like you see everybody, you know, my jaw wouldn't lock. You know, I'm talking what? straight. I'm the designated driver. Really? Like you know, if somebody's got to talk to the cops, you send me. Like you know, get like I got f- this. You know, I was that guy. You wow. know, three days if later, if it gets
0: in my pocket, my jaw starts going. Yeah,
1: like that. So, so <laughs> what? What was crazy is that I'm starting to see now that I'm starting to show signs.
0: That people are you know, seeing that you're fucked up. And people
1: are seeing that I'm fucked up. And I'm, I'm starting to feel it. And I cannot talk. And I'm slurring my words, you know. And I'm sitting there like, what happened? Like, like you know, this, you know. And, and, and so it's just the, the progression, you know. Mm-hmm. But for a long time,
0: you couldn't tell, you know, at all. I would get so fucked up on powder coke mm. that I would hallucinate, see things, and get so paranoid that I would stand by the window with a knife. Yeah. You know? So, on coke this yeah. is pre-crack yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Pre, wow pre-bc you know before crack so
1: I it, obviously I ended up there yeah. you know and um so so yeah cause I mean it's, it's just the progression of it man you know with that first overdose man like my, my chest started hurting like mm-hmm. I remember I was outside I was smoking a cigarette my chest started hurting like you know how much do you think you had done in those three days oh man I I, I was say um I had bought a quarter of an ounce mm-hmm and there was not a whole lot left mm-hmm. you know um and but you know so it was a combination of that i think i have popped you know molly or two yeah, you, you know you in know the, in the, you know i have mixed that in there too you know but i was coming from like like three four days that we had gone out you mm-hmm. know and a lot of drinking and the cigarettes and you know and just you know um wild nights man and, and i remember like i used to live close to Hailea hospital I started thinking, like, oh, like, all the Cuban remedies for, like, you know, anti overdose, you know? So they're, like, you know, you drink half a gallon of, of milk, you know? Yeah. So I drink, started drinking milk, you know, and I'm, like, it's not working, you know? So I went and I took a shower. I took a hot shower. Mm-hmm. And I remember, like, when I came out of the mirror, like, my chest, man, was, like, purple. Mm-hmm. Like, all my veins were popping out. Like, all my veins wow. were popping out. And I was, like, you know what? I got to go to the hospital. You know, my heart is like racing. Mm-hmm. You know, when I saw my chest, I'm like, I, you know, I have to go to the hospital. So I got in the car and I drove to the hospital. And um, man, I remember parking the car. I'm not quite sure where because the car got towed. I remember walking into the emergency room, telling them I wasn't feeling well. And I remember like sitting down and I, you know, and I remember being up three, day, like three days, like two days later. You know that you know. So mm-hmm. so I, I don't remember whatever what happened. happened. I have no no idea, no recollections of what happened. You know, mm-hmm. and um, you know the girl told me it's like you know like hey you know you're here by the grace of God, and at that time to make those phone calls to the family, you know to, you know that was um, that was crazy because I've never thought I would have ended up there. You know, if you look at my life, you look you know that just wasn't part of you know what I would have predicted. You know. And you know, the craziest thing is like, you know, a week later like they released me from the hospital and the first thing that I got home, I'm like, I know I have a stash somewhere. You know, I know, you know, so you know, from there I just I just continue using, you know, continue using starting to lose jobs at this time, like
0: with Edgar. Are you thinking about rehab? Are people telling you about rehab? No, no, not at all. Not at all. 12 step nothing? Not at all. I've never heard of any of that. (laughs) That's so crazy.
1: Never heard of any of that. You know what? Actually, my ex-wife, my my then wife, Mm -hmm. she's the one who told me, she's the one who told me around that time, like, I think you're an addict. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, the fuck out of here. Mm -hmm. Like, I just need to stop using Coke. Mm -hmm. I'm not a drug addict. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And um, Tom, never heard of any of that. You know, and and the people that I was hanging with, a lot of those people, they were using on a daily basis and nothing was happening to them. They were, they were okay. Mm -hmm. There was something different about me. And I think, and again, through all this time, I'm just in pain. Mm -hmm. What happens is when you live in fear when you live in pain, you just create more fear and you create more pain, mm-hmm. you, you know? So, so things are just getting deeper and deeper and deeper. Now, I'm th- you know, now you start thinking, wow, you know, I have a daughter with the girl that I'm married and, you know, it's not working out and look, I, I overdose and, you know, I'm, I'm not going to get any better. So mm-hmm. fuck it. Let's go, you know, let's go deeper. You know, nothing is working out, you know? And um, even, even Edgar, I mean, the guy loved me and he was like, we can't, we can't work together. You know, mm-hmm. we can't do this, you know, and so uh, we separate, you know, we went in our separate ways, um, you know, and then now I started getting like jobs and um, man, you know, and it was funny because like, dude, like I, I will actually feel bad every time I will get a job.
0: <laughs> like I would feel bad They're for like, these Yo, people. You got the job. You're like, oh, yeah. Man, well, you, you. you know,
1: I'm. I feel sorry for them because m- my line of work with work with recruiters, right? Mm-hmm. So a recruiter is gonna get paid a lot of money in order for me to, for bring to bring me to the companies, right? Yeah. Um, they pay sometimes 20000 dollars just to bring me on board. Mm-hmm. I'm a bench user, and I gotta use on a. I mean, like almost on a daily basis, mm-hmm. right? So if you hire me, if I gotta come on Monday. I'm going to be there Monday, Monday night, more than likely, I'm going to go and pick up. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start, you know, whatever time I'm not going to finish until the next day, six o'clock in the morning. I'm probably going to show up all fucked up. Mm. But when I come out, I'm going to go use. So now Wednesday, it probably it's, it's over. Mm-hmm. On, you know, I'm going to I'm going to call out six on Thursday. I'm going to binge. It's already Friday. My brain already said like, well, whatever. You know, whatever. We're going to come back on Monday. So now I'm going to use all the way until Sunday. Sunday, I'm not even, I'm like half human. <laughs> By Monday morning, I'm like, I'm, I could barely walk. So I'm probably going to have to call. At the end of the day, 30 days in the job, I probably have gone like four or five times. Mm-hmm. So they're going to have to fire me. You know, so to me it was like they just paid a recruiter for no you know for no yeah. reason, you know? And then so now here comes the next job. And I'm really good at what I do. Like, you know, I'm really good at what I do. I and mean you probably you know, have a sick resume. I have a sick resume. <laughs> no listen, no high school diploma, I don't have a GD, I you know, no no none of that. But if you put me in an interview with a you know, with an MIT graduate, you're gonna hire me. Mm-hmm. You know, I have the experience, I've been doing this for a long time, you know, I could get the job done. I'm the guy for the job. You know, unfortunately, I'm not gonna be there for too long. <laughs> you know, I'm not gonna show up after yeah. three, four days, you know. So they I will get hired within a week. I get hired, mm-hmm. you know, and three weeks later, I'm fired. Mm-hmm. You know, and um man, I, I started working. Um, I got this this new job, really cool job, paying me, you know, really good money. Mm-hmm. And again, I start, you know, I start I start using me and my that's why we we're trying to like work things out. She went to pick me up. And she's like, you're, I mean, I was binging for like another week or something. And she's like, hey, you need help. And she's actually, as much as we i could strangle the lady sometimes, mm-hmm. you know. But she's the first one who, because she lived through it, you know. She said, you're an addict. And she looked up Narcotics Anonymous. Wow. And she went to pick me up one day and she's like, I'm taking you to a meeting. Mm-hmm. And she took me to a meeting. And, um, and that was my first meeting. And I bro- when I heard the message and I heard the people, I broke down. I was just like, wow, like this is, you know, these people actually understand, you know? This is
0: the Hollywood meeting, right? No, uh, this, this wasn't- Even uh, before that, way before way that. Way
1: before that, it was, a, um, it was a meeting, it's a Miramar. It was on Tuesday. I think that's something like the Susan B girls used to go there oh, on wow. Tuesday. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and, and, um, and, but it was like the first time I heard a NA, Narcotics Anonymous, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know? And I picked up that white, you know, my first key white key tag there. And and I share and I was just crying and I was just crying because Mm -hmm. I'm really losing control. Like, you know, and then now at this stage, I'm starting to get the paranoia and I'm starting to like feel like the cops are chasing me and I'm looking at the window. Is that a taxi
0: or a cop? Yeah, I (laughs) do. Let me
1: tell you, you know, actually, you know, just going to Publix Mm -hmm. was like a mission, and, um, I mean, it was just, it just got like really bad, really dark, you know, and I had not experienced that before. Like that, I knew, you know, that this was a problem now, mm-hmm. you know, um, so we, I went to that, I went to that meeting and, you know, I started going to the meetings and I remember that, um, there was this whole passage about, you know, alcohol is a drug and for me, it was like, well, my English is not very good looking, man. So <laughs> I don't understand that part yeah. there. Like the alcohol is a drug. So I was still, you know, I was still drinking. Yeah. My thing was like, if I don't do Coke, I'm good.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm good, you know? So I got this new job within the week. I wanted to do good in the job. So I got this doctor that prescribed me Adderall because mm. I wanted to focus. And, you know, so now I'm doing Adderall, um, but it's prescribed. So it's okay. And I re- man, I would never forget. Like the, the, there was this guy in the meeting. You know, I was sharing like how good I was. You know, how good everything was going. And I got the new job. And you know, I've been clean for like two, three weeks. And he <laughs> asked me like, "Oh, do you have a sponsor?" And I'm like, "No, I don't have a sponsor." And He's like, "Do you need a sponsor?" And I'm like, "Well, I'm I'm waiting to find the right guy." You know. And he tells me like, "Dude, you know, it doesn't matter." You know, it's like you remind me of myself, and you're gonna relapse. You mm-hmm. know. And I'm like. Bro, what are you talking about? I got the job. I was going to the gym. I'm looking good. Yeah, yeah. I think the ex wife wants to get back with me. You know, like, you know, no, so, man, within 30 days, I remember I called, um, I used to use with this guy a lot. Mm-hmm. And, um, and on my 30th date, I picked up, you know, the orange key tag. I was still drinking, mind you, but no Coke, right? Yeah. yeah. No Coke. And uh, I picked up my orange key tag and I called my buddy and I was like, yo, you would never believe what happened. It's like, what happened? 30 days without Coke, bro i got an orange key tag he's like oh for real swing through let's celebrate and yeah. i'm like for sure you know mm-hmm. and of course i went there with my orange key tag to celebrate doing coke again nice. you know when they say that and they will mess up your
0: high mm-hmm. like it's real something is messed up throwing away fucking shit on the floor you know what I mean like, like bro I can't even throw stuff away like when I miss the garbage like I can't even do that anymore you know like I used to just be like whatever who cares it's fucking yeah. trash now I'm like oh yeah, man yeah. You I can't, you, you, I can't you, even litter anymore you grow <laughs>
1: conscious <laughs> yeah. like cause in, and I now I started thinking like I'm using with this guy and I started mm-hmm. thinking like oh my god I threw my clean time away like yeah. my clean time away what are you talking and about you, start you know start
0: thinking about you st- people in the meetings that are gonna be disappointed in yeah, exa-
1: and then yeah. now that guilt trip and uh-huh. so I just started using even harder than before the paranoia and all that stuff really now I'm, I'm getting I was I will stay stuck at this guy's house I couldn't leave mm-hmm. I couldn't leave man you know welcome and, to um, my world yeah, <laughs> <you> <laughs> yeah. Know? In, in in that you know And now I'm, I'm like it was just it was just crazy you know you know man I think it was like October so around, around this time it was mm-hmm. October 13th or somewhere around there 2016 I think it was Um, I got into it with my ex-wife um i remember I just got a bunch of coke started doing a bunch of coke and this and that and i've been out for like three four days mm-hmm. you know it's like seven o'clock in the morning and i start feeling bad again like i started feeling like my muscles are spasm and it got to a point that like my hand started to lock and mm-hmm. i couldn't move my hand and i remember like grabbing the phone to dial 911 i couldn't actually like dial you know, nine one one, and um, and I remember like it, it went away for a second. I dialed nine one one, and mm-hmm. I just press send. You know, and they came over. They checked me, and they said, "Oh, you're just having a panic attack. You just need to relax." You know, and I <laughs> tell them like I've been high for the last seven days almost. You know, like this is not a panic attack. You know, they they left. They actually left me there. Mm-hmm. And I remember he came back again, like really really bad. And one of my neighbors actually like you know walked because he saw like the rescue. He you know he knocked on the door and he actually like opened the door and he saw me on the floor like with my phone like that again you know wow. so he called you know and um you know they had you know the, the rescue came and they they you know they had me in the parking lot for like over an hour because they could my muscles were so tight they couldn't get an IV in my you know in my vein.
0: and about it time, was both arms or one arm one arm uh-huh. well, they,
1: i think they were trying to go to both i don't remember but they, yeah. i mean bo- both like my my whole body was just spasm Wow. my whole body was just spasm i remember at some point i don't remember much again two days later mm-hmm. you know od again you know Apparently on the other side, you know, um, they did everything they could to bring me back. You know, they brought me back and um, my second OD, man, you mm-hmm. know, you know, by that time, like I knew like I have to do something different with, you mm-hmm. know, with, with my life. So, you know, we, you know, we had a second baby.
0: What's your dad saying during this whole time?
1: So my my dad by this time is kind of checked out on my life a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. The whole thing, you know, part of the thing with the Jehovah Witness is like, I was like shunned from the religion, yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what I, I mean? About that. So yeah, I was completely, I mean, like, you know, by this stage, you know, I'm completely kicked out from the religion, you know? Mm-hmm. So my dad being, you know, really, he, you know, he respected my decisions, you know, and, you know, and, and I, it's gotta be really hard for a father to kind of just be like, there's nothing I could do for this guy, you know? Mm-hmm. And then seeing me and seeing me at my best, you know what I mean? And then seeing me now on my, my worst and nothing that he can do for me, you know, mm-hmm. to the best of his abilities, you know? um, And to his own, you know, belief system. So I've really just white knuckled all this, you know, my mm-hmm. very, very minimal support for my family. At the end of the day, I don't want to, you know, at this stage, I don't want to use. I just can't stop. You know, I can't stop. And um, obviously I lost everything, lost the jobs, lost. And, and it's funny, man, by this time, I'm actually living in 441 and H Street, mm-hmm. which is like right next to Johnson Street. Yeah. And, and it's crazy where I'm coming from. I'm coming from, I actually got an apartment at the Mutiny Hotel, Mm -hmm. right? I have an apartment at the Mutiny Hotel. On the 10th floor, there's a football player that lives on top of me. I have the view of the bay, I have the cars, I have the Mercedes, you know, I had the Lotus. I think, well, the the Lotus was gone by then, but I had, you know, I had a CR1. Like, I have everything that, you know, that you could, that I could, that I wanted. Mm -hmm. And I go from there to Hialeah, and because the disease is progressive, right? Now I'm in a triplex, kind of an efficiency behind a tire shop mm. in 441 in Hay Street. Mm-hmm. You know, this is my life now, you know, struggling to pay $800 a month, you know, of rent. You know, um, after after the, the second old demon, like I knew I needed to do something with my life, you know, I started to hear like my, this thing, like my ex-wife like even telling me like, hey, you know, your kids are probably better off without you. Mm. Like, you, you know, like, like just, you know, you start to hear those things, you start to believe those things, you know. What was interesting is that I, I met this, I met this girl, uh, Kim and, um, you know, on, um, she didn't know that I deal with addiction, but by the time I met her, actually meeting her, she was the first time that I met a girl that I would much rather be with that girl than to do Coke. Mm-hmm. Cause before, like I will I meet these girls, man, and the girls will be like, Hey, you want to hang out tonight? And I'm like, sure. No problem. And my boys are like, Hey, yo, I got that fire. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, hey, listen, I'll be there in 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Wait for me, girl. I'll be there in 30 minutes. The, you know, a day later, she's like, hey, what happened to you last mm-hmm. night? You know what I mean? Like like literally, like like I remember I was with this girl and you know, we went out, we had a really cool date, you know, we went dancing, you know, all this and that. And she's like, Hey, why don't we just rent to we'll go to the beach, rent a room and just hang out the whole night? And I'm sitting there like, that's what's up. And mm-hmm. I remember my boy calls me and he's like, Oh, I'm here I'm in the house, you know, some stuff came by, he brought this stuff. And I'm sitting there like with this girl, like, no, why don't we take it easy? What like making all kinds of excuses? Yeah. To because you know, the drugs were more were more appealing to me mm-hmm. than to be with this girl, you know? And when I met Kim, is the first time that I actually
0: was saying no to the
1: drugs. Was saying no yeah. to the drugs so I wanted to be with her. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That created completely different in you know, like like emotions for me like Mm -hmm. i don't want to do this anymore i want to live i want to enjoy my life i want to enjoy this girl like i want to go to dinner and enjoy that dinner Mm -hmm. and not be worrying about like okay i'm going to drop her off i'm going to go pick up and use all night long until the sunrise
0: this show is not affiliated with any specific 12-step program if you or a loved one is struggling with an addiction please find a local 12-step meeting If you believe you may need detox or drug treatment of any kind, please call 888-699-9395 to speak to a specialist. This show is sponsored by United Recovery Project, a state-of-the-art drug and alcohol rehab facility. You can visit our website at unitedrecoveryproject.com.